Cardini's Media. Totally Football League show, loving the drama. It comes late at Fratton Park as Pompey punch another ticket to Wembley. It's managerial in Leagues 1 and 2 where Wesley's walked away and Grayson's gone. But as the final lap of another gruelling season comes ever closer, we're still going strong. With all the subtlety of Charlie Austin taking over Nottingham Forest Twitter account, this is the Totally Football League show. Yes, hello again, listener. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here to lead a discussion about the English Football League in the company of a panel of industry experts for publication in audio format. It's a football podcast, basically. Filling out its ranks today, please join me in welcoming an instructor and chief examiner for the British Model Flying Association, which includes helicopters, planes and drones. He also has a full-size Microlite pilot's licence and flies his own Microlite regularly. And he represented Great Britain in the World Full-Size Helicopter Championships in Poland 2015. It's Adrian Clark. Yeah, good morning. Um, they're not toys, by the way. They're serious, serious... Um Sorry, <laughs> I tried to think of what they were. <laughs> Modes uh, of transport. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, tell us about your shocking morning, Clarkie. Oh, comedy mishap central. So I park at the train station and get my ticket. It's I buy two days because I, I need two days. It has no sticker on it. That's bad news to start with. I put it on the dashboard, close the door. It slips off the dashboard down the front. Disaster. So what I do, but it's, it's poking out. So I get a pen out of my car, try and scoop it out. The pen explodes on my hand, covering both hands with loads of ink. I make a dash to the train station toilet where both soap dispensers are out of use. They're both broken. So then I go to the, I, I know there's another toilet on the platform. It's a long, long walk. I get there for the first time ever. It's locked. It's closed. It's out of order. So I get my train. I think it's fine. I'll just wash my hands on the train. The train toilet is out of order. What's so. the lesson there? <laughs> Always take the microlight to work. <laughs> uh, alongside Adrian, can you believe it's 18 years to the day since he opened the scoring in a 2-1 win for Northampton against Peterborough, playing alongside Paul McGregor and Marco Gabbiadini. Woof! Hello again, Sam Parkin. At a kind of gold-ish... BMW, Marco Gabbiadini, he was very cool. Class. Uh, for two points, Clarky, <laughs> who scored the Peterborough goal that day? Here's a clue. He once said of his time in the England squad, we see who could call Fabio Capello, Postman Pat, the laddest. Just random stuff, so immature. I tried to get the boys singing Postman Pat on the back of the coach. I mean, come on, boys, there are about six of them at it. The other 20 bottled it. Can you imagine if I got Bexy in on it? I remember Bence was on it. Bence was lovely. I love David Bentley. I don't know. <laughs> I'll show you the goal after the podcast. It was magnificent. Joe knows. Who was it? Jimmy Bullard. Jimmy Bullard. <laughs> it was. Uh, that voice you heard, he's been from Bolton to Bond Street, then on the central line to Tottenham Court Road. Then it's just a short walk from there to the studio from William Hill. It is Joe Crilly. Good morning. Good morning. OK, we're going to talk about the EFL Trophy to start. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. So, Sam, you and Caroline were on the telly last night talking us through the EFL Trophy semi-final between Portsmouth and Exeter. All the drama, all the goals squeezed into the final part of the game as Exeter went one upon 79, only to be pegged back, regain their lead and then concede twice in stoppage time. Driving forward, Exeter are denied for a good McCrory challenge and Pompey still want to go at the other end once more. Naylor keeps driving, Naylor's got harness forward, Naylor chips it towards Curtis Curtis brings it down in the penalty area Curtis across the face, a goal Marquez! Marquez! He's won it! 
o'clock. Port with the heading back to Wembley. They've done it in the most dramatic circumstances. Few. Uh, presumably the most dramatic end to a game you've seen this season. Who caught the eye in it? Yeah, it was it was really good fun actually. The last fifteen minutes, it wasn't a, a great spectacle before that, but Exeter's young players did really well. Kite in in midfield was was fantastic. Uh, Randall on the the, the left hand side did did really well, and I think it was a night just to to show you know the type of players, the the real quality that they bring through at Exeter continue to to do so. But yeah, it was. Probably, I don't know if he'll be regretting it today, Matt Taylor, but I felt his changes were really attacking. He changed the system in the second half and kind of went for the, the victory, went to a 4-2-3-1. He'd started uh, in their usual 3-5-2 and actually kind of went for it and that enabled the game to really get stretched late on and that's why we had madness really ensued for the last um, 10, 15 minutes. But yeah, Portsmouth, just two changes. Kenny Jackett obviously loves this competition and... Just about deserved it, but you know, a night where Exeter leave with a lot of credit. <laughs> leave with credit, but but no place at Wembley, and I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I don't think I'll ever get it. When you've got one game to play, and you've got Wembley beckoning, what, why on earth wouldn't you play what what your best team is? I, I don't, I don't understand it. I know that the kids did, did great, some of them, and, and what an experience for them. But ultimately, it'd have been better experience for them to be in the match day squad at Wembley wouldn't it not saying they would have beaten Pompey with their best 11 but I I don't understand and and there's another issue with that one then Sam say in your time Exeter you were a first team regular and then for this game you and all your pals got rested slash left out and you miss out on a game at Wembley because they would have played the first team in the final surely for the rest of the squad is there going to be a bit of resentment that well if you picked us gaffer then we'd get to you know have the highlight of our career in some cases. Um, I don't think so. No, I think I don't know if it's a club decision this, or it's been Matt Taylor throughout who's decided to go with you know a blend of untested youth players, young players with a few senior players that are on the fringes. Uh, I, I don't know that. I know it's a club that haven't had great attendances. The Ipswich game aside, when that fell on a Saturday, didn't it? Just a, a month or so ago, when they got a good gate, obviously playing against. A big club as well. So I don't know if it's been more of a club decision not to put a great deal of importance on this competition. I was just surprised last night. I wasn't disappointed in Matt Taylor. I wasn't um, critical of his decision. I was just very surprised because in my experience, even if the senior pros haven't touched the competition semi-final when the stakes are greater they normally get wheeled out so it was a surprise rather than disappointment with what yeah, Matt Taylor did I just think what's the point in the competition if, if you get to a semi-final and you put your reserves out just, just call it a reserve competition mm, uh, could be a glorious season for Pompey but the magnificently monikered Jackets Jacket asks via Twitter how big an impact do you feel Pompey's fixture pilot will have on our chances of going up We'll be 120 games in the last two years with Kenny, preferring consistent 11 rather than rotation. Last year, squad burnt out and form went. Will it be the same again, Adrian? Hmm, that's a good question. It's a valid question. It's a relatively, I wouldn't say it's the deepest squad in the division, but it's not, it's not as if they've got youngsters that back up Portsmouth. I think he can, he can rotate one or two and get away with it. Um, I'm looking at their running now, and it's, it's, they've got some tougher away games um, to come. It's, it's probably one of the tougher-looking runnings out of everybody else. But like, 
you would you would have thought it was a great incentive to to want to be in that starting eleven at Wembley now. They will be favourites, no matter who goes through. We don't know at the moment who who will progress from the other semi-final, but Portsmouth will be overwhelming favourites to, to lift the cup competition. They'd all want to be a part of it. Surely it will drive up standards in the coming weeks. That's how I would look at it anyway. Yeah, you worry about fatigue at the end of the season. Uh, well, Newport plays Salford in the other semi, but that's tonight as we record. So assuming you're already clued in, you'll have to tell us the score, please, listener. Surprised at that. I thought the other team would win. It is a funny old game. Right, off to the Championship. Championship where the headlines are. The FA have asked West Brom striker Charlie Austin to explain offensive comments he made to Southampton fans on Twitter. Got to say for me, there wasn't really much to explain. It was quite clear. Uh, Swansea have temporarily closed their academy in a bid to contain a mumps outbreak. Were it not for the word academy in that sentence, it would sound very 1980s. Uh, on the pitch, Leeds, Leeds are falling apart no more. Forrest cashed in at West Brom after Matty's marvellous missile, though the baggies are four points clear at the top. Fulham go to Derby on Friday, hoping to quickly forget last weekend's home horror against Barnsley, whilst the rest of us hope to quickly forget what Craig Ramage said. Luton and Wigan are showing there are signs of life down amongst the dead men. And a special mention to Hull for Swansea for under the Friday night lights, eight goals, a 95th minute winner and a rare instance of Swans holding Tigers to a draw if they were animals that would never happen. Uh, let's have a look back, though, at West Brom to Forest 2. West Brom versus Forest, or West Brom and Forest versus Keith Stroud. <laughs> I'm joking a bit. Own goals are plenty. Goal line scuffle right at the end, which had there been VAR, we'd still be reviewing it at this moment. But the standout goal came from former AC Milan target Matty Cash. Here comes Forest looking for an equaliser. Lifted in towards Semedo. Up goes Diacabi. Away bravely by Buckley. Watson's first to it. And then Cash with the effort, what a goal! What a fabulous equaliser by Nottingham Forest! And for the second Saturday in a row, they strike late against a promotion rival. What a game! Well, it was a real up-and-atom kind of game. It had Sam and Liam Lawrence nodding like Churchill dogs at the sight of all the gritty tackles. A picture of this scene, if you will, chaps. Late last week, Sabri Lamushi hits the download button on his favourite football league podcast, brackets this one. Uh, he puts the lead on his Xi'an and pops his headphones in. He listens in horror as Sam and Adrian tear into him and vows to pick his strongest team to Jouer against West Brom. Sacre bleu, it worked! Sam and Adrian get the assist. Forrest get a point. Actually, not the worst result for, for either team, Sam. This The teams around Forrest failed to win and Albion unbeaten in four and very much over that wobble, it would seem. Yeah, and, and just Leeds, you know, winning their game as well at the weekend. I think it was just Blackburn you have to go down to for the next side in the table to get maximum points. Um, I thought Forrest were slow out the blocks. I thought they couldn't get going as an attacking side at all. Kept breaking down countless times in the first half. Uh, some of that you have to attribute to the way Pereira, um, Robson Carnu, Robinson, Kravinovic were, were closing down. And I think, you know, we saw that at Millwall in, in recent weeks. You know, I think we expect Kravinovic and there were a number of those to be quite luxury players, but Pereira was closing with real intensity in that first half and um, deservedly in the lead. And um, I think Forrest were fortunate, really, to be in the game at half-time. And, you know, the second half, I think, will be remembered or not remembered for a really strange refereeing performance where he, he missed quite a few decisions that quite well could have seen red cards and, mm. and obviously could have seen Forrest... Um, have a better opportunity of winning that game because I think, on balance, a few more went against them. 
weird. I sort of oddly thought it, he was kind of evenly bad for both teams, Adrian, <laughs> because, you know, the, the West Brom goal where Amiobi was fouled in the build-up, Livermore probably should have gone mm. first half, but there were some questionable decisions that went in, in Forrest's favour as well. It, it made me think, would you rather have a referee below par if we're being generous and no VAR or VAR to come in and, uh, and correct. I was going to say, make that very point. It was a tremendous advert for VAR, wasn't it? The whole, the whole game. Look, every ref has an off day. He definitely got most of the big calls wrong, in my opinion anyway. And yeah, you just think how much... I think the cost has got to be worth it, hasn't it, for championship clubs, even if they even though they part fund it themselves. We heard, didn't we, a number of the teams in the FA Cup from the EFL are having to pay the VAR fee. I think it's about ten grand, isn't it? That that, that that they split. So it's not not the end of the world. I think I think that most championship clubs could afford that. Surely it's it's got it's got to happen sooner rather than later. But yeah, I, I was also disappointed. I'm not gonna not gonna let you get away with the Forest uh, Twitter feed here, Matt. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're gonna I, bring I this up. I don't control it. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, what is going on? You can't have. I'm all for a little bit of banter on a, on club Twitter feeds, but digging out the referee with Saki tweets I thought it was well naughty wasn't it yeah it was bad and they got owned by West Brom as well um, <laughs> speaking of Forest, Sam they're playing your mob QPR at the City Ground on Saturday which is exactly the kind of game that Forest lose this season uh, Rangers won on Trent's side for the first time in ever last term so this is another potential stumbling block for Sabri and Co yeah they've struggled in a few of the home games haven't they against teams you'd expect to beat expect them to beat and um, QPR back to their swashbuckling best against Stoke at the weekend it was it was genius you know I probably shouldn't have been watching that one but you you couldn't take your eyes off it um Eze was superb I say Samuel brilliant again and you know encapsulated everything that's been good and bad about Rangers this season in in 90 minutes but yeah I think QPR are gonna obviously finish in mid-table I was a little bit concerned prior to Saturday that they could get drawn into something behind them I thought there was a there's a big expectancy I suppose on Jordan Hugill to you know get the goals that are going to be absent now Naki Wells has left so I think those worries have been alleviated by that performance against Stoke you expect Forrest to win but you know I see Forrest as a playoff side I don't see Forrest challenging the top two all right well remember you can watch all the weekend's EFL action on Quest find it on Freeview Channel 12 Freesat 167 Sky 144 Virgin 217 or just go online and onto questod.co.uk that's the EFL on Quest also known as Sam's babysitter on a Saturday make sure he stays in check on Freeview Channel 12 Freesat 167 Sky 144 Virgin 217 or just go online and to questod.co.uk well, let's look ahead to the weekend then. Charlton against Luton. Charlton five points clear of the relegation zone. Luton have had two 1-0 wins back-to-back, leading Graham Jones to say, it's the most pleasurable result in football. Wait till they win 2-0. He'll say, I was wrong. This is twice as pleasurable as a 1-0. Uh, what's turned Luton's form around, Sam? Well, I think the goalkeeper's improved, yeah. first and foremost. And I, what I noticed in the game at the weekend, obviously the elements played a part in a lot of the football, but... He wasn't rolling it out and, and trying to play out from the back. You know, he was sensible. He managed the game a lot better, I, I felt, the goalkeeper. And, you know, that's partly why he was brought in, you would presume, to play a, a bit of a nicer brand and to be comfortable in playing out. So that was noticeable to me. Carter Vickers has, has come in as well. He's only played twice, I think. He did play in the reverse against Cardiff, but 
Um, that saw Pearson move to right back on Saturday, looking better defensively. And my biggest takeaway was he freshened up. He put some different players in. Craney came in, Berry came in, Luar Luar came in. And he's got Izzy Brown back, who we spoke really highly about early part of the season. He was playing really well consistently. Glenn Ray is back uh, available now as well. They've played a big part in the, the most recent victory prior to Saturday, but he left them on the bench. And the players that came in did a really good professional job. So competition for places and two brilliant victories that's given them a fighting chance after we both wrote them off last Big week. Big time, yeah. No, well, I've, I've written, yeah, I wrote them off tonight. I think I was just calling for Graham Jones to get the bullet. But he's Luton have changed massively from the team that that got promoted. The style of football is just not like it. They were a pleasure to watch. They're not anymore, are they? They're, I mean, Middlesbrough accused them of being negative and spoiling tactics, and that that's the sort of tag that's following Luton around at the moment. Which, but they won't care, will they? If, as long as they're grinding out these results. Yeah, it was interesting. I thought that Jones did really smart decision. Glenn Ray, you mentioned there, was really good against Wednesday. Mm. Been on, went on loan to Woking in November and December. There's something that probably passed most people by outside of Luton. Been out for ages. And to go to the National League when you're a championship player is quite, quite a step down. But it was a really good decision. It gets him playing 90 minutes every week and he's come back in. He's ready to hit the ground running. So I'd, I'd give them a lot of credit for that decision and the player as well for not turning his nose up at, at the opportunity to go into non-league for a month or two to get his fitness. So well played them. Uh, in terms of Charlton, I'm going to go all Adrian Clark here. They'd be sixth in the table uh, if matches ended at half time, but they're bottom of the second half table. Um, to me, then, Adrian, that says they're not very good in the second half. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, uh, Charlton. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one step forward, one back, isn't it? At the moment, with him, keeps chopping and changing the system. I know he changed it against uh, against Blackburn halfway through. My takeaway from their last performance, Charlton, was that the centre backs were having a mare, absolute stinker. I think he, he took he took one of them off at half time. So they're going to have to improve there because because Luton are now playing with that confidence to that they'll go to the valley and, and try to create chances, no doubt. So so yeah, look, interesting game this, isn't it? I think Luton it might be a good time actually for for Luton to to turn up at the valley. You never know what you're going to get with Charlton at the moment. Only four games left against teams in the top half for Charlton, so they've got quite a favourable run in. So you know, I think they'll have confidence that there's a lot of games that they can win and. Thinking back to last season as well, they did a real job over Luton at the Valley. If you remember in League One, beat them 3-1, diamond v diamond, as it was on the day. And as Adrian just mentioned there, they went to the diamond in the second half. So maybe some food for thought for Lee Bo. You're looking ahead to that one. You mentioned those fixtures, just having a look at, at the next few. Sheffield Wednesday, Huddersfield, Borough, Hull, QPR. I guess you, you want to be playing teams that aren't either at the bottom or at the top at this time of the season, don't you? That Those are kind of mid-table and going nowhere. I think so, but I said on last week's show that Blackburn's performance against Fulham looked very much uh, <laughs> end-of-season affair. Players may be on the beach and uh, Blackburn have responded by scoring five goals and conceding none and winning their last two fixtures. So they've given themselves a fighting chance. Uh, but who can you put in that category? Seriously, I think you can only really Hull? put QPR, QPR. QPR and Reading, 42 points. There you go. I, I'm not I'm not going to say Hull are safe yet. So yeah, <laughs> Reading and QPR, they're the only teams that that be allowed to coast from here on in. All right, well, let's next talk about Barnsley versus Middlesbrough. Both wear predominantly red as their home shirt. Both had Leroy Leiter on their books at one time and both are bang in trouble. 
relegation trouble that is Borough six points above the dotted line after that defeat against Luton six points might seem a lot but there's 13 games to go still and they're all in the championship so you know Burnley's Ben Gibson has started training with them which is a bit odd Uh, Sean Dyche played down reports of a row sort of saying there's a private angle to it which will remain private uh, <laughs> Who was that? That's Sean Deitch. Oh, spot on. <laughs> I was looking at the league table. Spot yeah. on. It's better than his Bruce, isn't it? No. You can't do the Deitch for very long. I've been gargling gravel all morning to try and get that right. <laughs> um, it's weird, isn't it, that? I mean, obviously, something's gone on at Burnley, but Ben Gibson, this player who's career is stalled massively it mm. would not be a surprise at all to see him sign for Middlesbrough oh definitely summer. not no no maybe they can just cancel his contract so it can be done I know that you need both sides to to want that to happen and I know that players have value but sometimes for the sake of an individual's career and, and actually for the for the club who are having to fork out the wages for a player they don't want just call it quits and uh, and I'm sure that, that he'll end up at at Middlesbrough. But yeah, interesting game this one, isn't it? Because um, Middlesbrough have hit the buffers a little bit and Barnsley are suddenly suddenly um, feeling much better about themselves after that performance at Fulham. Wow, no one saw that one coming. Mm. Well, what do you make of them under Struber? Sam, has there been much improvement? His win percentage is 31.58. So he's won six games since taking over. I mean, they, they've looked relegation candidates pretty much from August. Is, is there any way they get out of it? No, I think it's going to be really tough. That's their first winning six games at the weekend. Still six points from from safety. I suppose bit of a new look defence yep. seemed to be a bit better. Ludwig at, at right back and Solbauer. Uh, he seems to have acclimatised now. Got a little bit of stick in his, his first few performances. But a, again, conditions were difficult at Fulham at the weekend, as we saw. But he seemed to deal with the aerial balls and uh, you know dealt with the Fulham's threat particularly well Woodrow I thought was outstanding ran the game really for, for Barnsley in the, in the second half and I like Brown and, and Chaplin they've got you know they seem to have a system that, that suits their offensive players uh, better but whether they're going to get enough points is doubtful but yeah he, he seems to be a manager that is someone I can see taking them forward if it is in League One next season. Uh, Gerhard Struber brings to mind the baddie from Die Hard and a pastry, probably apple-based. So I'm having a hard time putting that to one side when I listen to or think about him. Uh, let's do both of those things simultaneously now. This show me uh, we uh, we are fight. Uh, we in the right uh, mood uh, to fighting. Uh, to, to, to come out of this uh, relegation zone and I think uh, today we create a very good uh, performance. Gerhard Struber there available in the breakfast aisle. It's just a more muscular me isn't he? <laughs> Maybe looks wise but the, the, what was the baddie in Dyard was called Hans Gruber yeah so I'm thinking Gerhard Struber, Hans Gruber, Struber's a bit like Strudel I just can't park T- it. Terrific 80s action film knowledge I wouldn't have got anywhere near that <laughs> thanks Sam uh, I, I switched off <laughs> no that completely lost me <laughs> right okay do it in Sean Dyche <laughs> I feel like I feel like Sabri Lamushi getting hammered from both sides um, Middlesbrough's next two just finishing up on this game Leeds and Forest yeesh this is a really big game for them this weekend then. yeah massive but yeah Woodgate's definitely under a bit of pressure your keeper's a big big player I'm not saying that, the, that their woes are all down to their goalkeeper but when they decided to sell Darren Randolph and, and, and put in young Ainsley Payers, that, that's a big gamble. I know they brought in someone else, Stianovic. Um, he's not had a, had a chance to shine yet. But I think that's a, that, was a, that was a big moment in their season. And it just, it just feels like Woodgate 
it's just still searching, really. He's no, no closer, is he, now to, to knowing what the best formation is, what the best team is. He's got strikers that dip in and out of the side regularly. I don't think that's been great for their for their confidence. So, so yeah, they're, they're, they're in a state of flux at the moment. I don't think they're going to go down. But, um, yeah, but I think they need to find that identity. They certainly haven't played in the way that Woodgate promised they'd play. The need for results usurped that, really. He, he ended with four strikers on the pitch uh, on Saturday and they didn't uh, come up with a shot on target amongst them and he left Ravel Morrison on, on the bench mm. and, you know, Adrian spoke about a decent performance mm. from him the other week. Um, seemed to be lacking in creativity. Yeah, Adrian's talking about the goalkeeper, I think the other end of the pitch, I think they are yeah, just 33 goals in 34 games. Only Wigan have scored less. So there's problems at both ends of the pitch. And they are more expansive than they were you know, previously, um, obviously. But I don't know, how long can he cling on to the, I was, I'm a Teesider and I was a Borough boy and all that kind of stuff. It seems to come out with quite... Uh, you know, quite regularity. I think mixed messages is the problem with him. It just keeps changing. It keeps changing the front too. It keeps changing tactics from one game to the next. I know it's good to be versatile sometimes, but but sometimes footballers just want to know where they stand. And I'm not wholly sure that the Middlesbrough dressing room, certainly the forwards at the top end of the pitch, really know what the pecking order is. And that's been a bit of a bit of a problem for them. A lot of chat there about potential relegation candidates, Joe. So what's the promotion market looking like at the moment from the championship? Uh, West Brom must be nailed on by now. Yep, and Leeds are pretty much as well. West Brom are 1-7 to seven for promotion, Leeds 1-3 to three with Brentford, the third odds on side at 5-6. to six. I think a couple of people have mentioned Cardiff as being a, a potential outsider. Uh, they're 9-2 to, to make it into the, the playoff spots and they're 20-1. to one for promotion just run through another couple of the the, the teams Fulham 7-4 to four to go up uh, Forest 7-2 to two, and Preston 8-1 to one. How about relegation um, we've been kind of thinking that the three were nailed on but did last week's results change that at all? The, the price has changed, but the, the bottom three in the table are still the top three in the betting. So Barnsley 1-6, to six, Luton 1-5 to five, and Wigan 8-11 to 11 to go down. Uh, Middlesbrough are 10-1 to one, um, and I was at my in-laws at the weekend, Sheffield Wednesday fans, and uh, the discussion turned to a potential points deduction and they are 8-1 to one to be relegated. So a shorter price than Borough. And in terms of those games we talked about, I fancy a draw in both Charlton Luton and Barnsley Borough. Um, what odds would you give me on it finishing all square in both of those matches? It is to 5-2 for a draw in Barnsley Borough. 12-5 to five for Charlton to draw against Luton. That double would pay 11-1. to one. Uh, In terms of who the favourites are to win the games, uh, Charlton are 11-10 to 10 to get the win at home against Luton and Barnsley are 29-20 to 20 to get the win at home against Borough. Well, that was the Championship. Will League One be up next? Yes. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. 
League One then. Oxford reignited their playoff push on Tuesday, putting five past Wimbledon at the Kassam to claim just their second league win of 2020. Gillingham are a place and a point ahead of the U's after their midweek win at South End. Jill's now 14 games unbeaten. Uh, the table doesn't lie. No teams below 14th were able to muster a win last weekend, although the League One table is so higgledy-piggledy it might well lie. Uh, at the top, Rotherham held to a 2-2 draw by Wimbledon, whilst Coventry, Wickham, Sunderland, Portsmouth and Ipswich all beat their respective opposition, leaving Peterborough the big losers in the promotion race as they went down to Fleetwood. And as we uploaded last week's show, Blackpool sacked Simon Grayson after one win in 12 matches. That's where we're going to start. Grayson gone they'd only won once since the 7th of December and that was against South End uh, didn't really have much choice here Adrian did they oh, I don't know I mean it was it was going really badly it, it still felt like a surprise to me though when it happened I always go with my gut instinct and often you think well yeah that one was coming but I, I genuinely rate Simon Grace and I think he, he might have been able to to turn it around the problem is that he had built a pretty strong squad and I would imagine a high-earning squad in in League One terms, lots of experience, and brought in 12 new players in January. So to get rid of him in February seems a bit daft, really, but 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 they obviously didn't get the reaction they were looking for. When you make that, that, that number of changes in the middle of the season, it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it? It, it? it can rock the dressing room, or it can completely transform it in a positive way, and it, doesn't look like that ha- happened. I, I know that Blackpool fans didn't love his style of play. They they thought with the talent they've got, they should play a bit more expansively. He's always been very organised and structured, Simon Grayson. So, so no, I, I get it, but I would have liked to have seen him work with the players that he brought in for a bit longer. I would, I would have given him to the end of the season because, let's face it, Blackpool are not going down. And if you think he's a, he's a good manager at that level, and I think most people would say he's a good manager at that level, then why not accept that this season's been slightly under par and give him another crack? But not to be. Have you got a market going on this, Joe? Here never. Nathan Jones, says Abby. Uh, we do, yes. Uh, Nathan Jones, uh, Abby is correct. Four to six favourite. Paul Heckingbottom, two to one. Ian Evert, third favourite at eight to one. Okay. We're going to talk about Oxford next because they go to Ipswich at the weekend. Ipswich found their shooting boots again. Alan Judge and Caden Jackson specifically after they beat Burton 4-1. No Norwood in that lineup. That That's significant, Adrian. No goals in seven from open play for him. Well, he's, he's probably not first choice. He did play in the game before against Wimbledon. So there's a little bit of sort of rotation there from Paul Lambert, but... I would suggest he'll be on the bench again after after Jackson scored two. Judge scored two, playing that number 10 role behind. And and Will Keane, by all accounts, even though he didn't score, was, was excellent. He was involved in three of the goals. He's, he's a good foil for Jackson. So so I'd imagine he he would stick with that. So, yeah, interesting times. But look, what a, what a good position to be in where you've got a, a predator like James Norwood that you can unleash. Off the bench, but yeah, that was that was a massive result for for Ipswich against Burton. Sixteen shots, eight on target. That's a, that's a good, solid home performance. With, and with so many home games left to go, that that was that was just the the tonic they needed. A big win for Oxford, as we mentioned midweek. No more cup distractions. Five points off the playoffs, but they're only away wins since the middle of October. We're at Southend and Wimbledon, so they need to improve on the road, especially given that they've still got to go to Wickham. And Coventry, uh, the return of my favourite question, Adrian, 
Will the fact that they played in midweek have any impact on this game? <laughs> uh, yeah, it should be a positive impact if you win 5-0. It should, it should, should be, yeah. Well, they'll be glad they played in midweek, won't they? Because it wasn't great against Sunderland, a little bit flat. And they, they maybe were guilty of worrying too much about Sunderland. I think they changed their system for that one, played in a more defensive style, left a lot of their attacking players on the on the bench and it and it didn't it didn't work what they did against Wimbledon was just unleash them uh, in a 4-3-3 brown was in midfield henry taylor and holland up front all of them scored absolutely walloped uh, afc wimbledon by all accounts so so they they're going with more confidence and and i always feel i'm, I'm with sam I, you know i'm a, i was a boyhood ipswich fan i'd love to see them back in the in the championship but I think there are stronger teams around. And I do think that even though they, they, they thump Burton, there's a vulnerability about Ipswich. So if Oxford rock up with a positive attitude, I think they can make this, make this a real game. Uh, next game I want to have a look at is Accrington versus Rotherham. David Bumble Lloyd against the remaining Chuckle brother in the celeb off, uh, 14th versus 1st on the pitch. Accrington's 4-3 win over Lincoln at the weekend was fun. Also, their third win in a row... Uh, so that means, Sam, that, that they should give Rotherham a game here like Wimbledon did last week. Yeah, you always get a game at uh, Atkinson and um, they got a lot of strength in depth at the moment. You know, substitutes, all three of the substitutes at the weekend having a really good impact. Sam Finley obviously getting the winner. Colby Bishop back now as well off the bench. Jordan Clark doing a really good job at the moment, being their creative spark in the absence of Sean McConville. So, I mean, they continue to um, upset the odds, you know, to go behind three times, miss a penalty as well, uh, and beat Lincoln on Saturday is one of the most outstanding results of the the weekend. Uh, And I know it's Bobby Grant as well coming back to the club for his second spell and doesn't get a lot of the headlines, does a lot of the dirty work, but I think he'll prove to be a good acquisition as well. So, as Adrian touched on, that probably won't be a game for the purists at Accrington, but you have to be, you know, you have you have to have your attitude spot on when you go there. Otherwise, you come a cropper. And and Rotherham, you know, a big few days for them. Mm. Accrington, Stanley away, and then Coventry away with some big clubs. You know, really getting into some momentum, getting into their groove. They need to maintain their standards. Well, look, Pompey and Ipswich lost at the Wham Stadium, so it, it's sort of it's done for some big boys already. This season, I think I know they've got a new pitch, which is much better than the one they had last year. I think if they had a good pitch, Accrington, that they would be an even better side because I think they like to play fast, attacking football. They've got a lot of firepower. Looking at the stats, I mean, they've scored more goals from open play than Sunderland and Ipswich. They've scored the same as Ipswich and Portsmouth overall, forty-five. So it's really. You know, at that end of the pitch, it's not a problem. I think there'll be a handful for Rotherham in this game. My issue, thinking about my memory of, of, of watching goals that they've conceded, it feels like they've let in a lot of set plays recently. And then Rotherham are just different class, aren't they, from set plays. 23 they've scored from set pieces this year. The next closest in League One is Wickham on 13. So there you go. That, that If you're not concentrating from corners and wide free kicks against Rotherham, they'll beat you. So it's easy for away teams to get the jitterbugs at the Wham Stadium. But that said, Rotherham have won three of their last four on the road. Are you giving them the win here too? Oh, they'll be favourites, won't they? Yeah, <laughs> you've got to make them favourites. So much to like about them. They're settled, aren't they, at the moment in the in the four four two. I really like the midfield duo of Crooks and Barlasser. 
bit of everything they've got. Good passes. They get break into the box as well. That they, they they can put their foot in. Uh, the wingers are doing really well. We mentioned them a couple of weeks ago. So um, so no, it's uh, it's looking good. There's a, did you see there's a, there's a good um, there's a good interview on um, on Talksport two last week with Richard Wood. And uh, you can't, if you can listen to, Did I don't you know. Do the interview, I, no, I didn't said, do it. Right? No, I didn't do the interview. No, I, I, I played it out on the show that I do. And uh, but it was it was a cracker. And he was basically saying about how he can't find any roommates because he 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 plays games in his sleep. So he, he'll wake up numerous times in the middle of the night and saying, "Woody's ball." my ball and stuff like that and he just he, he, people don't want to share with him he says and his wife's really fed up with it as well. but he keeps playing out games in his sleep he can't switch off and he, he was it, what was funny about the interview was like it's a good thing right it shows i care right shows I, can't, I can't switch off shows you're mad, is what yeah, it shows. exactly but yeah i can imagine i don't know if sam ever had that in with one of his roommates sort of sort of wake up in the middle of the night but yeah i I think I'd have been asking to swap. <laughs> Sam, that Loki Wham reference that I dropped a couple of minutes ago didn't hit the mark. Um, I got it. Joe smiled at me. Okay, thanks. I was going to say, have you got a favourite George Michael song? I, I like a lot of George Michael, actually. Do you? Fast Love. Uh, he, he prefer his solo stuff to, to Wham. Club but, Tropicana, obviously, written in Peckham. A mixture, but Club mm. Tropicana is probably one of the greatest songs of all time. Matt, okay. to be honest. Yeah. Did you have the album? Is it Ladies and Gentlemen? That was a good album. Yeah, right? Ladies and Gentlemen, black and white cover, wasn't it? Yeah, I did actually. I remember yeah, listening to that with a uh, next girlfriend. Not a George Michael fan, Joe. No, I have stayed in the Club Tropicana Hotel. Though. <laughs> uh, what <laughs> price were the drinks? Uh, they were all free. <laughs> okay. uh, all inclusive. <laughs> uh, while you're there, let's get some odds, Joe. How about promotion from League One? You won't be surprised to hear that Rotherham and Coventry are both odds on four to seven and seven to ten for promotion. Uh, Pompey are the third team at odds on there five to six. Although Sunderland at six to five are, are very close to that even money mark as well. It's so close in the betting here. Peterborough five to two, seven to two Ipswich, eleven to two Fleetwood. Uh, it, it really could be one of a number of teams. And how about those games that we were speaking about? Accrington versus Rotherham. I'm guessing the, the away win is the favourite here. Yeah, 5-4 to four for Rotherham to win away from home. Accrington 15-8 to eight with the draw 27-10. to 10. And what about Ipswich with their patchy home form to beat Oxford? Well, their, their patchy home form comes up. They are 11-10 to 10, uh, Ipswich favourites to win the game. Oxford 12-5 to five with the draw the same price. OK, League One, thanks for the fun. League Two, we're coming your way after this brief interlude. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. When was the last time League Two was this tight at the top, asks Jack Tanner. Probably quite some time ago when you take a look at the table and see Swindon and Exeter both on 63 and Crewe and Plymouth below them both on 61. Swindon had their game called off last week uh, of course elsewhere in League 2 news Graham Wesley's run out on Stevenage again he resigned following six straight defeats Alex Revels in charge for the rest of the season which is a brave move because you never know what you're going to get with Revels uh, also in Stevenage news they're now being investigated for calling off their match with Oldham in November questions raised over the amount of internationals that went out on duty three's all it takes for a match to be postponed but it's alleged that only two 
of Borough's players were eligible. At the weekend, wins for Exeter, Plymouth, Cheltenham and Port Vale. As we say, Swindon's match fell foul of the weather. Crew lost to Plymouth this weekend and this was quite the miss. Crew could be in here. Walker, he has Porter to his left. He's missed it. How did he miss? Chris Porter, or should that be Miss Porter? And though Chris Porter is correct. Uh, Plymouth only able to muster a 1-1 with Macclesfield on Tuesday night. We're going to start, though, with Stevenage. Clarky, what's going on with your old club? Alex Revel was assistant to Mark Sampson, and now Mark Sampson is assistant to Alex Revel. Um, This ends in the National League, presumably. It looks that way, and it's really sad to say that. I loved my time at Stevenage, really professional club. I played for them in the National League, but but they were always knocking on the door, and they got they got in, and and I thought that they were nailed on to to stick around really for the duration. Um, but no, it's it's been a horrific season. Four managers now. This is a punt. It's an absolute shot in the dark, isn't it? from Phil Wallace because Alex Revel has no managerial experience and in this kind of predicament you would ordinarily go for that that firefighter someone who's who's gone and done it before wouldn't you and I've seen Martin Allen's name I'm not, not really a massive fan of Martin Allen but but that kind of manager to come in and, and potentially save them but but I suppose they're thinking well we've got to try something let's just let's just hope for the best all I'll say in terms of a positive here is that he's brought in Russell Slade as a managerial consultant. And I think that's a very smart decision from Alex Revel. He's got a guy there by his side that has been there and done it and that can advise him accordingly. I think that was really sensible on his part. The Wesley gamble didn't work. This one needs to work spectacularly to save Stevenage, unfortunately. It's, it's horrible to see, but but goals have been the problem all season long. You've got to get them going. You've got to find someone who can put them into the net like he used to. Mm, Sam, it's my understanding that footballers quite enjoy simplicity. Will this not be quite confusing, having the person who was formerly the number two Mm. being the number one and vice versa? It's got to be a very odd dynamic to start with, at least. I probably wasn't someone that was too bothered about that. But there are lads in the dressing room, maybe the more vocal ones, the more emotional ones, the ones that get involved in what's going on with the hierarchy of the club. Adrian, I know what I'm oh, on yeah. about. There's always <laughs> Busy a, bodies. Yeah, there's, a, there's always a couple. <laughs> I always see, seem to think it was uh, the, the ones whose families seem to know everything that was going on as well, whereas I like to go home and not talk to my nearest and dearest about what had gone on at the training ground. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah, there may be a few. They're in a, a real bad state at the moment and there are similarities just hearing Adrian mention Martin Allen there the similarities to what went on at Barnet if you think back to a few seasons ago when Graham Wesley actually went in there Mark McGee went in there as well and it ended up in in relegation and it looks like it's going that way and it is sad because I know people at the club uh, people that have important roles there and they've done some good business in the transfer market in the last few years bringing in uh, some players from Different backgrounds, uh, Godden from the, the, the Jamie Vardy Academy, I think it was. So they've, there's been some real success stories. This year, they've been dreadful. One of the worst teams, you'd have to say, in, in recent memory at this level. And they'll be hope, hoping probably that something catastrophic goes wrong at Macclesfield to give them a, a fighting chance. But on the pitch, Macclesfield are the much better side at the moment. 
Uh, let's have a look ahead to Plymouth against Cambridge because Plymouth are pushing for promotion and Cambridge might yet be joining them if they keep up their current form. Uh, Plymouth, we mentioned their game midweek. They got a late equaliser through the imperious Anthony Sarsevich at Macclesfield. Uh, they would have gone joint top with the win, but instead they're fourth behind crew on goal difference. Uh, one defeat in 10. And and they're kind of back to the form that we thought they'd be at, at the start of the season under Ryan Lowe, Adrian. They're, they're putting a bit of consistency in, in yeah. terms of their results. Yeah, they're, they're sticking to their principles as well. By all accounts, they were getting themselves into a bit of a pickle in this match at Macclesfield, playing out from the back. We know they've got the three at the back. They like to use the wings and then, you know, get those two attacking midfield pivots, Sarsovic and Mayer, into those pockets. And they were trying to play that way and, and losing it over and over again. But eventually they ground them down and, and, and they got they got what's a decent point really for them. So um so no Plymouth Plymouth are looking good. Look who's gonna miss out out of the out of the, the big four. There is a big four now, I think, in, in League Two. And one really, really good team is unfortunately gonna miss out on, on automatic promotion. Personally, I don't think it will be Plymouth. I think they've got enough match winners in their team. And and now that they've got this kid up front in, in Luke Jepcott, I know um Sam's mentioned him a few times. I, I know he's a rookie. But sometimes you can just tell whether a player is a, is a natural finisher or not. And I, I've said the same about Ryan Bow, Bowman at Exeter. I think when ball's going to the box, he's, he's a natural at tucking it home. He attacks the ball really smartly. I see the same with, with Jepcott, who, who might not be brilliant in general play, but I think he's the, the goal scorer they needed. Uh, just before we get on to Cambridge, I want to give a mention to the Plymouth supporters on Tuesday night. Uh, crowd at Moss Rose of 1,887. 747 of those were away supporters. That's a 524-mile round trip on a Tuesday night. I kind of feel you get platitudes from, from players, especially these days. It's easy to tweet, fans were great, hashtag blessed. But that must mean something to you. You know, you played for Exeter, Sam. If you're going up north on a Tuesday night, probably not great for the players, but but to be backed by that big and away support must give you a real lift. Yeah, I always used to enjoy coming out and, and seeing that you've brought a big contingent. Always gave you the motivation to play well. Definitely. Definitely. And um, yeah, fantastic support. And um, I agree with Clarky. really. I think, you know, it's probably more likely to be Exeter or Crew that, that drop out of the uh, automatic promotion reckoning. I think Plymouth have, you know, got enough ways to score goals. You know, they share the goals around. I think they've, they've proved without having an out-and-out goal scorer it's not really hindered them this season. So, no, I make them, you know, favourites to get back to winning ways against Cambridge, who themselves are having a brilliant time. Well, well, Cambridge have won four in a row, eight points off the playoffs. Um, no manager, no problem. I, I guess history tells us the key is do not appoint the caretaker <laughs> on a permanent basis. Well, I saw from the first game, actually, that, of course, naturally, the supporters get a huge boost from uh, overturning a deficit and winning late. But you could really see a togetherness and... I thought that just showed how poor it had become under Colin Calderwood in the, his last few weeks of his tenure. To go and win four games in a row, first time since 2016, is a great achievement. Having looked at the results, they've only won by more than one goal on one occasion during this run. So I'm not sure they're going to be able to keep this up, especially the nature of the victories. Again, the goals coming from substitutes, Nibs again getting the, the winner. But it's been a brilliant start to start for him. And, and one other positive as well I noticed from the weekend, Samir Carruthers, 
coming on. He's been missing f- because of personal reasons. He was at Sheffield United not so long ago. Very talented midfield player. Gives them good competition in that area. And he could be the catalyst to some, some, some more good results as the season wears on. And goalkeeper as well. Big save from Novak, who has done the business since he's gone in at Bradford, as we anticipated him doing. Keeper... Callum Burton made a really important save and, and that gave them the opportunity to go and win for the fourth time on the spin. Uh, Joe, in terms of odds for the for the next Cambridge manager, is this where Neil Warnock pitches up or, or will Jan Sievert be getting the gig? <laughs> no, uh, neither. Mark Bonner is massively odds on uh, to get the job on a permanent basis. One to six he is uh, to do so. Uh, Simon Rusk is the next favourite in the, in the list uh, at 10 to 1. Walsall versus Port Vale. Uh, Port Vale have snuck into the playoffs. They sit six following a run of five games unbeaten against tough opposition. They were able to do it without Tom Pope too. There is quite often, Adrian, a team which comes seemingly from nowhere around this part of the season and, and, and makes a run at the playoffs. Is that going to be Port Vale this could time be. around? Yeah, it could be. I mean, the feel-good factor at the club is it's just overwhelmingly strong at the moment. The fans are buying into it. They love the onus. They really do. They, everything they're doing on and off the pitch is getting their backing. The away support is, is tremendous. I, I'm led to believe that they sold, they're pretty much sold out their allocation. There could be up to a couple of thousand Port Vale fans at, at the Bescott or the Banks' stadium for, for this one. So, so it'll be, um, yeah, they're really enjoying themselves on the pitch, scoring goals. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of competition for places, really, in, in forward areas. I noticed that that in the last match when they they hammered Colchester, a lot of their key men weren't playing. So so it'll be fascinating to see what John Askey does selection-wise ahead of the weekend. But yeah, no, momentum's huge and and they've got a smart manager. Not the most sort of charismatic gaffer around, but he knows what he's doing. And uh, I think now that they're in the playoffs, they'll stay there. Also the home team here, Sam, 13th in the table, your old mob. But their problem is in defence. Their goal difference is, is minus 11 and, and that's kind of stopped them making much progress throughout the course of this season. They're one of those mid-table teams we were talking about who um, might start to be thinking about flip-flops and beach balls. Yeah, possibly. But I mean, there's two sides to that. They don't get enough goals either. I don't think they've got enough creativity in the side, um, they were desperately bad against Northampton at the weekend. He was getting pelters, the manager. Started 3-5-2, 5-3-2, probably more likely. Um, really defensive setup, up uh, 2-0 down. And then changed the system in the second half, 4-2-3-1. They've done that on a few occasions this season and had success. So maybe this is the chance for him to, to stick with it. That said, four shots on target, three goals. Tells you that it was a little bit of a smash and grab, but... You know, much improved in the second half, bringing Holden and, and McDonald on and Rory Holden on loan from Bristol City gets his first career goal, I believe it is, or certainly first EFL goal. Uh, Adebayo, young centre-forward, had a lot of loan spells, his best game in a Walsall shirt. So they've given themselves a chance and we've spoken about atmospheres on today's show already. It's going to be a really good atmosphere. You know, it's not a stadium that gets filled out regularly, but with that travelling contingent from Port Vale, not too far to travel... It should be a really good game. And yeah, to just echo what Adrian said, taking you back to last season when I was at Port Vale <laughs> and I had the oat cakes, it was probably the most miserable afternoon I'd had at a football match for a long time. And I was down there getting McGrub and getting a drink at half time. And 
the mood amongst the home supporters, it was incredibly low. So the turnaround there with the new owners has been immense. I probably don't see them getting promoted this year, but the improvements are vast. Everyone is on board. And um, that was a, probably the performance of the weekend, I would say, beating Colchester. Yeah, well done, Port Vale. It's, um, it's, it's not a difficult equation, is it? Make your supporters feel valued and put, put some faith in, in the community and some stock in that, and then all of a sudden things turn round. Um, Odds-wise, Joe, promote me. League two, who's going up? Adrian and Sam were talking about which team they think might slip out of the, the top three. I mean, there's a cigarette paper between all of them in, in terms of price, but Plymouth... Uh, other ones according to our odds but they are one to two to finish in the top three Exeter four to nine crew two to five and Swindon one to six and the odds certainly suggest that whichever team misses out uh, will go up via the playoffs Uh, those top four are all odds on in the promotion market on this 80s theme show I appreciate the use of uh, the term cigarette paper what about the matches that we spoke about Walsall and Port Vale uh, Walsall are slight favourites to win this one, six to four, with Port Vale nine to five in the draw, twenty-three to ten. And presumably Plymouth big favourites to get the W against Cambridge. Yeah, Plymouth four to five for the win at home. Cambridge seventeen to five in the draw, twenty-seven to ten. Right, that's just about it for today. Then, uh, since I last spoke to you, I haven't been inundated with tweets about the spa break I was heading off on. Um, I'll tell you about it now. It was fine. Sam, what have you got on this weekend? Having lunch with you, Chelsea Tottenham. Oh, lovely. See you then. Yeah, yeah. That would be breakfast, wouldn't it? Usually a fry-up for a 12.30. Yeah, pretty mm. good one. You have a couple of goes of that mm. as well. Maybe have a salad afterwards to, to finish off. I roll us. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Adrian? I am off to uh, Derby versus Fulham on Friday night. So really looking forward to that one. Um, yeah, Fulham need a reaction. And uh, yeah, Derby, Derby usually quite handy at home. It'd be interesting to see if anyone digs me out. For my uh, anti-cocky agenda. <laughs> uh, you'll be wearing your big TalkSport jacket and, and be more than happy to interact with Derby fans before, during, after the game. Whatever. Yeah, there'll be no, no TalkSport jacket, but yeah, happy to interact. <laughs> Joe, have you got anything nice planned for this weekend? Uh, I'm off to MK Don's Bolton on Saturday. So, that's... no then. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> well, my thanks to Sam, to Adrian and to Joe for your thoughts and insights. Listeners, we'll speak again soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Join Ruby Walsh, Tom Nugent and Paddy Power on their racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth, as they build up to the 2020 Cheltenham Festival each week. New episodes every Friday. Muddy News Media.